Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group's pastor, John Shaw. seeing a packed house. This is beautiful. Mm. Hey, can I show you something really cute, really fast? <laughs> this is my daughter, Sophia. Uh, she is six years old, and I just adore her. Um, but a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, uh, she asked if she could go to a church with me, go to work with me. I'm like, sure, you can come to work with me. Do you want to write my sermon for me? Oh, man, she got so excited. Like, she ran into her room, and she was in there for like 30 minutes writing this. And she came out, and she gives me her sermon. You probably can't, can't see that, so let me just read it for you. It says, God is with me. He is like the shepherd. And when we go against him, we are like the lost sheep. But when we come back, we're like the found sheep. Oh, Like, right? Can we... Don't, don't clap for her. Can we give a round of applause for the elementary side? Like, they are killing it over there. Like, they are teaching their kids some good stuff, and I love it. But this girl, like, she is all in. I love it so much. She, we went to visit my college a, a couple months ago, uh, Johnson Bible College. When we came back, she's like, I'm going to Johnson because dad's going to die and somebody needs to preach. So... <laughs> That made me feel really good. Apparently, I'm going to die in the next 14 years or so. But don't worry. You are covered. She will take care of you. But this girl is all in. She is bold, and she is willing to speak Jesus anywhere and everywhere she goes. I love it so much. And that's what we're talking about today, about speaking boldly about our faith. Now, we're in our all-in series. This is what we've been talking about for a while. And we're just talking about how when you know Jesus, when he is a part of who you are, you can't help but be all-in. Not wishy-washy, not half-hearted, but all-in. And today we're talking about speaking boldly. And can I boldly speak the truth to you? I hate snakes. Like, I hate snakes. They are the worst. Like, how they slither around, you know, their little flickery tongue, their beady eyes. Like, I hate them. And I really thought when we moved here that we were going to get rid of, get away from rattlesnakes specifically. That's what we have in Colorado. But I move here, and not only do you have rattlesnakes, like, this is a picture just from, like, our, our Facebook page in my neighborhood. All the time, somebody ran over a rattlesnake. Somebody killed a rattlesnake. Like, you can't get away from them. You got the, the cotton mouse and the, the copperheads here. And, and I don't just dislike them because they're weird and creepy and stuff. I hate them because at my last church, somebody was bit by a rattlesnake and their leg swelled up to like the size of an elephant. It was disgusting. Like they almost died. And so if I see a snake in my yard, I grab a shovel and by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I chop off its head with all my might. <laughs> you can amen that. That's okay. But then... Then there are some of you softer, more politically correct people in this room. Oh, John, don't kill the poor snake. It's part of God's creation. We have to love it. And I'm like, what in the world kind of world do we live in where I can't kill a snake that's going to kill my two-year-old, right? I'm going to bag up that snake. I'm going to bring it to your house, and you can love and nurture it, right? But this, this soft, politically correct thing has kind of overflowed into our church as well. And, and so often people say things to me like, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not going to speak about Jesus, okay? I, I'm just, I don't, want, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. And so I'm going to do, I'm going to live my life 
in a way, you know, and, and that's a good thing. I, w- I don't want you to hear me wrong. I, like, we want to let our lives live as a witness the way we live. That's a great place to start. But at some point, at some point, you and I have to boldly witness about Jesus because we should let our words be a witness in addition to living our lives as a witness. So, let, let's say you and I, we go on a walk. We're, we're, we're on a trail. We're going through the woods. And... My eyes are trained to see snakes because I hate them so much. And and off to the side, I see a a copperhead. And they're they're designed to blend in. Like, you don't see them. But I see one. Well, I'm going to live my life in a way. So I go off the path and go around it. And you, seeing me go off the path, like, that's kind of weird. Why why would he go off the path? I'm going to stay on the path. And you get bit by this this copperhead. You're not going to be too terribly happy with me, are you? No, you are going to be upset with me. Why in the world did you not yell at me, snake? And we walk together around it. Like at some point in our lives, we cannot just live our faith. We have to speak our faith. Now, here's our sermon in a sentence. This is where we're going. When we are all in, we can't help but speak boldly. When we're all in, we can't help it. Now, in the book of Acts, there are story after story after story of people speaking boldly because, like, they saw it. Jesus was dead, and now he's alive, and so I have to speak it. So there's story, story after story. I'm going to give you three. Acts 9, 28. This is about Saul. Remember Saul? He was persecuting the Christians. He was trying to kill them. Well, Saul becomes a believer. He gets transformed. We see this in Acts 9, 28. So Saul stayed with them, and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And then Saul changes his name to Paul, and we see him again with Barnabas in Acts 14.3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. They weren't just letting their lives be a witness, but they were speaking boldly. Acts 4.31, we see the disciples under extraordinary persecution, and they pray for even more boldness. And they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke boldly, spoke the word of God boldly. So what they do? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke. We're, we're getting there. They spoke the word of God, and they spoke. We're getting there. I love it. Now let me catch you up with, with where we are in the story. So Acts 4, but really the story starts in Acts 3. So Paul and John are, or Peter and John, are walking by the temple gate, and they see a guy who has been crippled for 40 years. Like, that's significant, because you don't pretend to be a cripple for 40 years. Like, somebody will figure you out at some point, and you're going to stop doing that. So this guy, legit, 40 years, you walk by this guy every single day, and he says to them, they're walking by, hey, hey, can I have some money? And I love this. Peter and John are like, no. Gold and silver we don't have, but what we do have, we will give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And what does the guy do? He stands up and he walks. Like, this is incredible. This is a huge deal. And everybody is talking about it. Like, this is the buzz of town. Like, you you couldn't be in Jerusalem and not hear about it. The Sanhedrin, there's one of the ruling bodies there, they... They didn't believe in the resurrection. So number one, they didn't like Jesus. And number two, they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they arrest Peter and John. And they pull them in, and they put them on trial. They question them, and they want to keep them. Like, what do, we, what do we do with them? They want to keep them, and they want to do stuff to them, but they can't because the whole city is talking about this work that they've done. 
we, we see this kind of inner dialogue that they have in verse 16. So 4, verse 16. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. Like everyone, like everyone knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. We cannot deny it. Like I, I love this. They're essentially saying, we don't believe it. But we can't deny it. We don't understand it, but we can't deny it. And, and I rem- <laughs> we see this so often in our own lives, don't we? Sophia, you just saw her earlier, when she was like three, like the power went out. Now, I know this happens a lot here. In Colorado, this doesn't happen very often. And the power had been out a while. Our house was getting cold. It was winter. And Sophia was finally like, well, why don't we just pray? I'm like, being the very godly, spiritual man that I am, like, oh, yeah, you know, let me talk to you about you know, how things really are. But she just stops us, and she prays. Dear Jesus, turn on the lights. As soon as she said amen, the lights turned on. Like, no joke. She was like, ta-da! <laughs> and, and I was like, what? Why didn't you pray earlier? I mean, what took you so long? And then, and then my mind is like, I got to talk to her about expectations and coincidences, you know. Why, why do we do that, parents? Why do we try to talk our kids out of their faith? We, we do that so often. But here's the thing. I, I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. But the lights were off. She prayed. And the lights came on. I can't deny it. It happened. And this happens in story after story. In this room right now, there are hundreds of stories of you guys who, who, who were one person you, and you were addicted to something or, or you were consumed by something and then something happened and you changed and, and people can't deny it. Like some of you had marriages that were going to hell in a handbasket. And then the husband got radically saved, or the wife got radically saved, and all of a sudden they're just all smoochy smoochy in community group. And, and, and the people in your group are like, I don't understand it. They were at each other's throats, they hated each other, but now they're all over each other. I, I, I can't deny it, I don't understand it, but it's happening. Or maybe you had a teenager, they're making all the bad decisions. And they went to CIY with us, and, and they had a radical experience with Jesus. And they just came home a different person. You know, they, they started dragging you to church. They started reading their Bible. They started serving in youth ministry. It's like, I don't understand it, but I can't deny it. They were this way, and now they're changed. Or maybe in your own life, you were addicted to something. An identity, or uh, you're in bondage, or fear, or something, and something rose up inside of you, and you changed. And your friends around you, like, I don't understand it, but they're different. I can't deny it. This is the context of verse 17 and 18. So they say, we've got to put a stop to this and say, so to stop this thing, like they can't even say Christianity. It wasn't really called Christians until later, so I can give them a pass for this. Um, But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Like, they can't even say Jesus. Like, they don't even want to say Jesus. Like, that's... Then they talked to them again and commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Commanded them. With, with a commandment comes, like, a, uh, a threat. Threat of imprisonment, threat of a beating, threat of uh, their life. Um, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? 
you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, because of what we've seen, we are all in. We cannot help but speak boldly. And those words cannot help. It basically means impossible. It is impossible for me not to speak because if you knew what I've seen, if you know what I've heard, if you knew who I was and how I am today, then you would not be able to stop speaking Jesus because of what he has done in my life. He has forgiven me and changed me. And if you had that experience, you wouldn't be able to stop speaking either. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You went to a restaurant and you had an amazing meal. The service was awesome. What are you doing? You're telling all your friends about it. Hey, have you been to this restaurant? It was so good. Like they were so great. You have to go there. You saw that new movie, right? Man, it was awesome. Do you see all the shooting? Pow, pow, pow. You got to go see Top Gun. It was so great, right? When you see something that excites you, when you are all in, you can't help but speak about it. The question is, what are you speaking about? See, there are things when you've seen and heard them, you can't help but speak them. You have to speak because it's so deep inside of you. Now, now what I want to do is I want to give you four specific areas that you need to speak boldly this week the rest of your lives. And so if you're taking notes, the first one is speak boldly to myself. I speak boldly to myself. This is, there are times when you have to speak boldly to yourself, and this is what David did, 1 Samuel 36. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord him God, his God. What did he do? He preached himself a sermon. He, he encouraged himself. I don't, I don't know what he said. He might have said, I remember when God gave me the strength to kill the lion and the bear. You might have said, I, I remember when God gave me the faith to, to stand down the giant. I don't know what he did, but he spoke encouragement to himself. He preached to himself, and he did it. He got through it. Can I be vulnerable with you for a second? Like, this is a, a little scary for me to do. I, I've never heard of a pastor do this before. Um, but I'm going to tell you something about myself, and I'm doing it because I know uh, 50 to 60% of you men in here struggle with this. Around 40% of you women struggle with this. Uh, teenagers, 70% of them have been exposed to it. 30, 30 to 40% of them struggle with it regularly. But when I came out of college and, and I went to China, I, I kind of fell into a dark place and I became deeply addicted to pornography. And I tried everything. I tried willpower. I tried the web blockers. I tried everything and I could not defeat this. I knew it was destroying my life and I couldn't do anything about it. And so what did I do? I started preaching to myself. Every day, hundreds of times a day, I preached to myself from Job. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. I'd preach to myself, 1 Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality, for it is a sin against your own body. I'd preach to myself from Philippians 4, whatever is honorable and pure, think on these things, and dozens of other passages, and I would preach to myself hundreds and hundreds of times a day, until one day, I woke up and I realized I wasn't consumed by this anymore. It wasn't controlling me anymore. And kids, teenagers, can I speak to you really fast? Pornography is the deadliest thing out there. It is so addictive. 
And if I can just encourage you, don't even ever touch it. It is the hardest thing to beat. But it is possible if you preach to yourself over and over again, and you can do it. Some of you are the best preachers in the world, and you need to start preaching to yourself again and again and again. You, you might have babies at home. Like, you are just overwhelmed with life. You might have tests and, and papers and stuff that you have to write, and you just feel like, I can't handle all this, and you just need to preach to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Over and over again. Maybe you need to preach like, your things at work are bad. When I am weak, he is strong. It's not by my power or might, but it's by the spirit of the Lord. Maybe when you're afraid, you preach to yourself, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love and sound mind. When you're worried, you preach God's word to yourself. I will not be anxious about anything, but I will submit my crest to God, and I will let the peace of God supersede all of understanding and guard my heart and the soul of Jesus Christ. Some of you just need to preach to yourself again and again and again. Secondly, you need to encourage others. I believe that Christians ought to be the most encouraging people in the whole entire world. Hands down. It says in Hebrews 3, but encourage one another daily. Every single day, as it is called today, we ought to be encouraging one another. And yet so often in the church, it can be not that. Man, as a pastor, like I see this. Is people tear one another down. As a pastor, they come to you, hey, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Oh, man, COVID was bad. Do you know how many pastors left the pastorate during COVID? Hey, why? You're doing it wrong. Do it this way. But can I tell you why I'm in ministry today? It's because of my wife. Like, I married up, y'all. Like, she is awesome. She is hands down an encourager, and I love her so much. When we first got married, you know when you're poor and you can't really afford gifts for one another? Um, for my birthday, she bought a deck of cards. And on that deck of cards, uh, she wrote on each one something that she appreciated about me. That's 52 things that she appreciated about me. Like, I like myself. I don't think I can think of 52 things that I like about me. Like, that was incredible. And this sits in my, my dresser, and every time I feel down, like, what am I doing? I go and look through that. Oh yeah, somebody does like me. Oh, yeah. My wife is hand down the most encouraging person. She is 100% the reason that I am still in ministry today. I am standing on this stage because somebody encouraged me and I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever you are doing, don't give up. Don't weary in doing good for at the proper time, in the proper season, you will reap a harvest. If you don't give up, don't give up your marriage. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't give up on the purpose God has given you to do in this world, in this life. And by all means, don't give up on God. For he will not give up on you. I'm standing here because someone encouraged me. We should be the most encouraging people in the world. Number three, and this one is not nearly as fun. But because I'm all in, I can't help but speak boldly and lovingly correct you. There are times when I love you so much that I have to, and I believe so much in what God is saying is right and wrong, that I have to lovingly correct you. Now focus on that word lovingly. That's so important. You don't get to go out and be a jerk in the name of Jesus. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to go out there with a, a sign saying, you're going to hell. No, that's just being stupid, okay? Lovingly correct means when somebody steps outside of the will of God that you bring them back gently. Man, this has happened to me so many times in my life. John, why are you doing this? This isn't so good for you, your life, your relationship with God. 
It could be that you're a girl, and your, your girlfriend is, is just always speaking about her husband. Ah, he's just a bump in the log. He's not a spiritual leader. He's not doing anything. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, hey, stop it. I love you and your marriage too much for you to be taking your husband out at the knees every day. He is never going to be the man of God unless you are speaking love and you're speaking life and you're speaking joy into him. I love you too much to tear him down like that. We all know that person addicted to drugs, pornography, alcohol, a false identity, and no one has the spiritual strength to say anything. But you're going to say, I'm not, I'm not better than you, but I love you, and I want the best for you, and I, I know that this is going to be hard, but I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to get you the help that you need. I'm going to be there for you, but I want the best for you, and I'm going to lovingly correct you. It could be a guy in your community group. He's deciding to, to, to pursue some younger skirt and just leave his family. And you're like, bro, I'm going to be the best friend that you ever had. And you might hate me and you might want to punch me in the face. But what you are chasing is a lie. What you are chasing is a poisonous snake from the pit of hell. And you, I was there. I was the day, there the day that you promised before God and men that you were going to love her. So you get your butt home and you love your wife and you love your children. You don't allow another man to raise your kids. And that is what you speak. You speak boldly. Why? Not because you're better, but because you believe deeply in what Christ has done for you. And when you're all in, you want that for others. And finally, because I'm all in, I can't help but lead you towards Christ. I can't help but lead you to Christ. Can't help it. We're just going to do it. And you can't talk us out of it. It's, it's never, ever going to go away. Because when you've seen what I've seen, when you've heard what I've heard, when, when you know who I was, the, the filth that was in here, the insecurity, the anxiety, the... the the anger, the, the greediness that I was, when you know who I was and how God has transformed me today into the man that I am, you can't help but speak boldly because of all that he has done. And that is what we do because Jesus saved me and made me new. And it doesn't matter if the world stops turning or the sun stops shining, the birds stop singing. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus and I'm going to speak it boldly because I know what he has done. And some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. He has changed you. He's transformed you and you can't help it. And some of you in this room are like, John, chill out. I came for a little simple service. It's supposed to be fun and light. Here's the deal. If you don't believe boldly, if you don't speak boldly, maybe it's because you don't believe deeply. If you don't speak boldly today, you might not believe deeply. Because when you believe deeply, I'm telling you, you can no longer live for the silly things of this world. You can no longer go after the material things that this world is chasing. You have to be all in and you have to live your purpose out day in, day out. You will be all in and you're not going to live your life as just a witness. No, you are going to speak it. You're going to put words to it as to why you are where you are, and you're going to take every single opportunity that you can because it is in you so deeply. I'm all in. My prayer for you is that you are as well. God, we are a fickle people. But God, we have seen it. We have seen you at work. 
And so, God, we want to be all in. We want to be the people that speak your name boldly day in, day out. And so for those of us that call your name, today, this day, you give us the words to speak. To speak to ourselves, to speak to others, to speak love, to speak life, to speak you. God, for those in this room who have not yet encountered you in this way, God, I pray you wreck them right now. That you draw them to you in a way that they cannot deny that they say, I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of love. I want you. God, I pray that you make them all in, just as we are all in. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.